grateful for this precious opportunity and privilege that we have to be here in the house of the Lord. It's good to see each one of you. Most of all, we hope we have the presence of our Lord and Master, that he'd be with us to help us, guide us, and strengthen us during this time that we would stand before you. Uh, the Apostle Paul had wrote to us there in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17 um, and concerning the will of the Lord. He, and he said it was able for us to understand that will, understanding the will of God. Since the Apostle Paul had penned to us those words, understanding the will of God in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17, it's possible for us to understand the will of God. And I would trust this morning that God would give us grace, that we'd follow his, his temporal will for us and the leadership of the Holy Spirit, that we would preach, speak those things that he would have for, for you, the congregation. I would like for everyone, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I trust that you do. If you, if you didn't bring your Bible, you could probably look around in a pew and find one. Turn with me to the 23rd Psalm. Sometimes we hear people say Psalm chapter 27 or the 23rd Psalm. I've heard people correct others saying Psalm chapter 23 or the 23rd Psalm. I, I told someone I don't have an issue either way as long as we're all on the same page in the Bible. Psalm 23 or Psalm chapter 23. I know this is familiar to many of you in your reading. Several weeks ago, we looked at a verse of scripture in the book of Job, chapter 22 and verse 21, when it was Eliphaz the Temanite that said to Job, Acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. What Eliphaz is saying is the more we're acquainted with God, the more peace we'll have in our lives. Now, we do understand by the words of the Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 16 and verse 33. In this world you shall have, not might have, not could have, but you shall have tribulation. If you want trouble in your life, all you got to do is just live in the world. This world is full of trouble. What Eliphaz is saying is there's more peace found for us, God's children in this world, by knowing more about the Lord, by understanding His will, by having a greater grasp on those things about Him. With that in mind, we, we looked several weeks ago at the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the promised Son. Then we looked at the Lord Jesus Christ, the substitutionary Lamb. We looked at the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect husband of the bride. We looked at the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect servant of the Father. If God will be our helper this morning, I'd like for us to consider the Lord Jesus Christ, the shepherd of his people. Psalm 23, we'll begin reading in verse 1. We'll read all six verses. David, by inspiration of spirit, writes, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When we consider the, the relationship 
the connection that the children of God have with, with the Lord. It's, it's taught to us in many different ways in Scripture. I mean, that relationship between God and His people is displayed many different ways. We find it displayed in a, in a father-children relationship. If you remember Jesus, when he gave us a model prayer, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, which is not the Lord's prayer, it's our model prayer. The disciples went to the Lord and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. The Lord's prayer is actually John chapter 17, before he went over the brook sea drawn. In that he said, Our Father, which art in heaven, Jesus taught us to pray, calling on the Lord as our, our Father. I mean, what a precious relationship we, the children of God, have with the Lord to be able to call Him our, our, our Father. That's comforting to my heart. The relationship we have with the Lord is also displayed in a family term like brother. He is our elder brother in heaven. Do you recall the text in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29? He's the firstborn among many brethren. What is that saying? That's saying He is the head of the house. He is our elder brother. If you recall the text in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14, it was he in the midst of his brethren. What a precious brother to have, the Lord Jesus Christ. That relationship is also displayed to us as a testator and heirs. You know, we're joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ of glory. He's the testator. He died on the cross, gave his life. But praise God, he's also the administrator of his own testament. He is the testator and the administrator because he arose the third day of his own testament. And we have a relationship with the Lord as a testator and the candidates of the testament, those that would receive all the blessings and all the benefits of his own will and testament. But when we consider that relationship that the children of God have with the Lord, there's probably one used no more than that of, of a shepherd and sheep. Do you remember Matthew chapter 25, verse 31? If you go back to Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, there was three questions asked of the Lord, and he answered all three of those questions in order. The disciples asked, when shall these things be? What is the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? When shall these things be? These stones be turned over and the temple not having a stone left unturned upon it? Jesus told of the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. They asked him, what is the sign of thy coming? He basically says, don't be overly concerned about my final coming, because that hour no man knoweth. But be concerned about my often comings in spirit to, to judge and to comfort my people. That's what the parable of the ten virgins is about. That's what the parable of the talents is about. Those parables are not about heaven and hell. It's about us, the children of God, and our service to Him right now and how the Lord will chasten us if we disobey Him. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 31, the end of the world. Jesus said this will be the end of the world when the Son of Man shall come in His glory and His power and sit upon the throne of His glory. Then all nations shall be gathered before Him. And He would separate them one from another as a shepherd would separate, divide His sheep from the goats. You remember the sheep were on his right hand side. His children were called sheep and he is the shepherd of the sheep. Do you remember in John chapter 10 in verse 11 Jesus said of himself I am the good shepherd. 
The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Verse 14, he said, I am the good shepherd. He said, I know my sheep and am known of mine. Jesus said of himself, he is a good shepherd. i got a good question I'd like to ask to everyone. Could you call someone a good shepherd if he didn't know how many sheep he had? Could you call someone a good shepherd if you didn't know where his sheep were? Could you call someone a good shepherd if you couldn't tell his sheep from somebody else's sheep? Yeah, the Lord knows how many sheep he has. He knows where they are. He calls them by name. That's how good the Lord is and how great he is. My mama, sometimes I call her and she'll call me Bobby, David, Vernon, Swain, calls me her brother's name. She, she has a tough time keeping up with my name. And if she knew I said this, she'd probably be upset at me. But the Lord, he doesn't have trouble with that. You remember when he walked along there in Luke chapter 19, he looked up the sycamore tree and he said, Zacchaeus? Yeah, he knew Zacchaeus was there. He knew his name. He knows his sheep by name and he knows where they are at all times. He is the good shepherd, good shepherd. But he's also, Paul calls him this in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20, not only is he a good shepherd, he's the great shepherd of the sheep. Not only does he have love and care for his children, but he has power and strength enough to do what his heart would desire to do for them. He's the great shepherd of the sheep. I recall in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4, Peter calls him the chief shepherd. When the chief shepherd shall appear. Meaning this, he is our only lawgiver. He is the one that sets the standard. See, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not about my ideas. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not about your ideas. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is about us serving him in his commandments. See, we don't have power to change the church. Mm -mm. We should use what power God gives us to serve him in the church. And the church is not about me. The church is not really about you. The church is about us serving God. It's a place for service and a place for us to be in humble obedience to him, to learn more about him. And he, Peter said, is the chief shepherd of the sheep. Here in Psalms 23, we find some very interesting language about the shepherd of the sheep. David said he's, didn't say he was a good, great chief. He said he's my shepherd. That's personal. It's my shepherd. Seventeen times in this psalm I find words that, that are personal. Like me, my, I, mine, mine. David's saying he's, he's my shepherd. Now he's the good shepherd. He knows his sheep. He's the good shepherd. He knows where his sheep are. He's the great shepherd. He's able to, to do for his sheep. Save his sheep and keep them saved. He's the chief shepherd in giving laws to us. But do we live in such a way that people know we claim him as, as my shepherd? Mine? And people see you out in the world, do, do you live in such a way that people can say, I believe the Lord is, is his shepherd? What does it mean to say the Lord is my shepherd? It means to show love for God. You remember Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, when someone asked him what is the greatest commandment of the law, and he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart and soul and mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. What Jesus did there was he summarized the Ten Commandments in, in two. You know, if we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, you're not going to have another God before you. 
You're not going to use his name in vain. You're going to keep his commandments. And if you love your neighbor as yourself, you're not going to covet his property. You're certainly not going to go steal from him at night, are you? You're not going to bear false witness against him. Jesus took the entire commandments that God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai and summarized in two. The first, love the Lord thy God. You know how we show the Lord is my shepherd? He's my God. He's the one I look to by showing that I love him, by showing God I love him, showing the world that I love God. Also, I trust him. I trust him. That's the way we show the world he's my shepherd. Not only did David love God, he trusted God. Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not towards your own understanding. Do we trust God as we should? Do we rest in his word and believe that he would lead us and guide us as a, as a good and great chief shepherd? David said he's, he's my shepherd because he is my shepherd. I shall not want. You know, David said I shall not want. He's not making reference to him never wanting a new a new shirt. He's not saying, hey, just because he's my shepherd, I don't want my, my, next, my next meal. He's not saying I'm not going to want a new pair of shoes. I'm not going to want to get a haircut one day. No, he's saying the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm content in just being close to him. I shall not want. You know, that contentment that we should long for as children of God it doesn't come from the world. See, if our hearts and mind are if it's given to the world, you'll never find contentment in your life. You know, the world promises to fill your life with something to just make you happy. Make you happy. You know, they say the happiest place on earth is Disneyland, right? Disneyland. I've been to Disneyland. I've been to Disney World. Last I checked, there was roads going in and roads coming out. You know why there's roads coming out? Either people run out of the money or they get tired of being there. <laughs> it's not the happiest place on earth after you've been there so long, and especially when it's in the summertime, you rode on those shuttle buses, you don't know who smells worse, you're the three guys pushed against you. I mean, it's not so happy then. There's roads going in and the roads going out. You can't find complete contentment at Disneyland and Disney World. You can't find complete contentment in things of this world. You can't find complete contentment and the riches of this world. Now, he that loveth silver, the Bible says, should not be satisfied with silver. The more you got, the more you, you want. True contentment is found in our shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Apostle Paul taught us in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, he had learned to be content. What is he saying here in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13? He had already told us that Jesus is his peace. He'll tell us later in the chapter that Jesus is my supply. But right there he said, Jesus is my contentment. And the way we find contentment and happiness and joy here in this world is in the one that's able to fill, fill our lives with joy and happiness and contentment. And it's the Lord. David said, the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. You know, I read about David many times. He, he didn't have a house to sleep in. Many times he laid all night in a cave. Do you recall him being in the cave of Adullam? He ran from his home because of threats of Saul of Kish and was sleeping in a cave and he had some 
something in that cave that people outside the cave did not have. And what it was was contentment and happiness. You know why? The Lord was there with him. Prisons would palaces prove if Jesus would dwell with me there. I remember in Acts chapter 16, there was two brothers. Their names was Paul and Silas. When they came to Macedonia preaching the gospel, you remember the woman of divination. She was a fortune teller. She was one of these people that would read your palm. <laughs> I remember driving by years ago in Georgia, one of those fortune tellers, you know, Madame Medusa, you know, read your palm. The preacher was with me. said, hey, Brother Ronnie, you want to go in here and get your palm read? I said, I don't want to know anything about my future. I'm having too much trouble in my past already. <laughs> this woman had a spirit of divination. And the Apostle Paul, her spirit grieved him, and he cast that spirit from her. When her masters saw that their gain was lost, they'd been making money off this woman. They beat the Apostle Paul and Silas and cast him in the inner prison. There they were, locked into jail. The Bible said about midnight they began to sing, and there was an earthquake. God caused the jailhouse to rock. The lights went out. The jail doors flew open, and they were in there singing, but they didn't try to escape. Why didn't they try to escape? The Philippian jailer thought they would surely escape. No, they didn't try to escape. They had complete contentment right there in that jail, just being happy with the Lord. Why? Because they had something on the inside of that jail that people on the outside of that jail didn't have, and it was presence with the shepherd, the good shepherd. David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And this Lord that is his shepherd, and David is an experienced shepherd, the man that penned these words was an experienced shepherd. He knew something about sheep. He knew something about guiding and leading sheep. Therefore, he understood that relationship that he had with the Lord. He said, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Do you know sheep, if you'll do some study on sheep, they're very timid creatures. If you get around sheep, they're resting just a little bit, and you stomp your foot, oh, they'll jump up and start running. They're very timid. Sheep can be more timid when they're hungry, when they haven't eaten enough. Sheep also get tormented a lot by parasites and flies. And, I mean, the least little thing scares them. Of course, there's always predators that are out there, and the sound of predators cause sheep to be afraid. And sheep sometimes can be so afraid they, they won't even rest. And they'll wear themselves out even to the point of, of death by just being afraid. But when the sheep have a good shepherd, a good and great shepherd that watches over them, that they trust in, when that shepherd sits down with his staff there close to the sheep, they'll just sit down and they'll rest. How many times do you think David had been in a field and saw his sheep, this scared and timid, wouldn't lay down and rest, and he would go and Take care of all the parasites. He would go and check out the grass, or he would go with his staff and run off a predator and just see his sheep just, just, just lay down and be at peace. He said, it's the Lord that gives me that peace. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. And I've always been interested in this one verse because if you notice, the same thing they eat is the same thing they'll lay down and rest in. How about that for the gospel? The same thing that feeds our hearts is the same thing that we can rest in, and that's the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And how about our good shepherd? 
our great shepherd here in this world. I mean, there's a lot of parasites. I mean, the prince of the power of the air, the devil. Does he trouble you? Does the prince of the power of the air trouble you in your life to cause you to be afraid? Does it cause you to have fear to think about his influence on this world? And don't tell me you don't see the influence of the devil on this world. I can see it. You can listen to your radio and turn on your TV. You can see the influence of the devil in this world. And it seems like it just gets worse and worse. As my grandpa used to say, it looks like it's a grease ball bearing on a plate of glass that's going downhill fast. And all of it causes us to be afraid, causes us to be nervous. All the predators in this world, you know, the, the Bible talks about the predators and how the devil and his angels seek to destroy your life. You know, Jesus told Peter of the devil, you know, he seeks to devour you. He would seek to devour your life and devour your fellowship with the Lord. The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and destroy, Jesus would say in John chapter 10. All that causes us not to be at rest and peace. Have you ever had a day where it's just like one trouble after another trouble after another trouble after another trouble, bad news, bad news, you just couldn't sleep at night? I've had those days. You know when we find peace and rest, we find peace and rest being close to the Lord. David said, he's my shepherd. He, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Those still waters, those calm waters that I can lay down by. I mean, I've had times in my life when I can just lay down in my bed and just be at peace and close my eyes, resting in the Lord, trusting that angels were beside my bed, guarding over me. I love that hymn of those angels that would lay beside my bed and guard over me. I remember the day that I joined the church. I come forward and asked for a home in the church, and the church accepted me in. They baptized me the next week. I want to tell you, I had the most peace in my life that night. I told someone I slept between the sheets in heaven that night. Just being close to the Lord. You know when we have peace in our life? Just being close, close to Him. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. Thou will keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on Thee. And the more our mind is on the Lord, the more fellowship and communion we have with Him. The closer we are with Him, the more peace and happiness we'll have in our life. I remember in Mark chapter 5, there was a man, he was called the Wild Gadarene, the man of Gurgisia. And he had a legion of evil spirits that was in him that tormented him. And this poor little child of God being tormented by the devils. Somehow his soul called out to the Lord. And the Lord crossed the Sea of Galilee. Not to throw the pigs in the sea. But to help that one crying, begging child of God. I love that message because it comforts me for me to believe that he would cross from heaven down to earth. Just to help me when I had my time of need. And the Lord comes to that man and casts the evil spirit out of him. The next thing you find him doing is sitting by the Lord, clothed and in his right mind. He was just happy and at peace being close to Jesus. Every time you find people close to Jesus, they're at peace and happiness. David said, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. And the last part of that verse, he leadeth me beside the still waters. You know, sheep are also... Notorious creatures of habit. Have you ever went to a sheep farm and saw some of the, the trails that, that they run? Several weeks ago, Brother John Little come come to my house, and you know we've got that little dog, that, that big old Jack Russell dog. We call him Sparky, and that's that's the right name for him, Sparky. I've, I've said this many times about Sparky. He is a cold-blooded killer. He is a killer. He nothing lives on our property. He'll he'll kill it. 
You know, the kids came to me one day and they said, Daddy, can Sparky go to heaven when he dies? I said, well, the Bible said there's no murderer that hath eternal life abiding in him. <laughs> but Sparky has got so much energy, he can't be still. And that fence property we got, he runs trails and runs trails and runs trails. I mean, he's got a place there he's banking off of. And he's got a, a place that he's made ruts. I mean, it's, I mean, it's six, eight inches deep where he's just run the same path, same path, and same path. You know, sheep would do that. Sheep will make the same path back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and they finally make this ruts in the hills and the land. It'll get dangerous, especially for little sheep. I mean, they could trip up and fall and break their legs, and some will get in those little traps and fall over. And, you know, they'll keep doing that, and they'll keep doing that until a good shepherd helps them out to lead them in the right direction. You know, I think about that. I think about us as God's children, his little sheep. You know, we're just notorious creatures of habit. You know, I've said this many times. There's one thing that we, we learn from history. We don't learn nothing from history. We make the same mistakes over and over and over again, sometimes just a little different flavor of the mistake. You know, I think about our nation. You don't have to go back far. You'll find some of the same mistakes that our nation's leaders make today. They, they made them years ago. And you think, well, it looks like people would learn from their mistakes, but we never we never learn from our mistakes, right? We just keep down the same path, the same path, and finally just cut the ruts in the same way. You know, I remember Lot, Abraham's nephew Lot. You remember the Lord when he delivered him there from Sodom and Gomorrah? You know what Lot said when he was coming out? Well, here's a little city, Zoar. You know, let me dwell there. Well, it looks like Lot would have learned his lesson down in Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Wow. But he didn't learn his lesson. You know, I find the children of Israel there in the book of Judges. You know, it's, it's about a cycle, the book of Judges is. You know, the Lord will bless the children of Israel, and they'll be serving and be close to him. And next thing you know, they'll forget about God and start doing what's right in their own eyes, and then they'll get themselves back in trouble again. The Lord will send and deliver, bless them again. They'll get out of trouble, and then they'll be right back in the same trouble again. I had a preacher friend of mine. He said his daddy called him one day and said, Son, I've been reading the Old Testament. And he said, and I've been reading about them children of Israel. And he said, Boy, that's, that's just some interesting information. He said, I'll tell you what they'll do. He said, they'll do right for a little while, and then they'll get in trouble. You know, the Lord, he'll come up and give them a good spanking, and then they'll start doing good again. And next thing you know, they'll get in trouble again. The Lord will come along and give them another spanking, and they'll do right for a while, and then they'll do trouble again, and God will give them another spanking. He said, well, where are you at right now, Daddy? He said, well, right now they're doing good, but I think there's probably a spanking coming pretty quick in the future from, from the Lord. And it's just a cycle. And you think, well, looks like they would learn their lesson, Right? But I think about me. Do I really learn my lesson? I'm 51 years old. I'm still making some of the same mistakes I always make. You know, without the Lord, without the Lord, I'll continue to make those mistakes. David said, it's he that leadeth me beside the still waters. See, if I want to stop making the same mistake, being repetitive in my error, I need to stop following myself and following the world and start following the Lord and look to him and ask him, Lord, will you be my shepherd in my life? Help me. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Verse 3, he restoreth my soul. I don't know if you've ever said anything about sheep. You know, sheep sometimes can get themselves in what's called a, a cast position. You know, the text there in Psalm 42, verse 11 when David said, why art thou cast down, O my soul? That's not talking about just someone being down and out. It's making reference to a cast sheep. You can go Google it. You can look it up and see some pictures. 
Now, I don't believe you can find everything on Google, but you can find that. Yeah, my sister-in-law gave me a little thing to put on my desk. She says, I don't need Google. My brother-in-law knows everything. <laughs> but what happens to a cash sheep is they'll either get injured, the wool can get so heavy, they'll, they'll fall over, they can get so much earth and sticks in their wool when it gets full, they can lay down and they can't get up, or they'll lay down in a low place in the ground and roll over and they're stuck. Their feet are just up in the air and they're there for you know, any wolf, dog, any animal to come by and attack. They can't help themselves. It's really a pitiful sight. David, I'm sure, had saw many of his sheep become cast, cast, and they're just there. You know, that happens to children of God. David said it happened to him. We can be cast children of God. We can get ourselves in such a place that we just can't get ourselves out of. And we need the Lord, the good shepherd, to come to us and help us get back on our feet. You know, sometimes the Lord can use another child of God to help you get back on your feet. Sometimes the Lord can just come directly to you and help you get back on your feet. You remember the prodigal son? The Bible said he came to himself. But there's many places in the Bible the Lord would send someone, send someone, send a man of God, send a servant of the Lord, send a brother or sister there to help you, to help you get back on your feet. Sometimes the children of God are like a cast sheep that is too full of wool. We get too full of ourselves. And all that weight of ourselves will get us in a spot where we... We're separated from God, separated from our service to Him, separated from that fellowship with Him. Sometimes we get so full of ourselves and so lifted up with pride, and the Bible said the Lord hates pride. We can't be any benefit to the children of God, benefit to the church. Can't think about anything but ourselves, and we get just turned over. But you know, isn't the Lord good? I love the old brother in South Georgia. He said, ain't God good? Ain't God good? God's good. And when I get so full of myself, so full of the wool of myself and the wool is so heavy that I can't go and serve God as I should. The Lord will come to me. Come to me and convince my mind that I'm in a wrong place. Give me his word to help me get in a right place. And not only that, give me his word to help me stay in the right place. See, God is good to do that for us. But sometimes like those sheep would get so much earth and sticks and wood in their wool, we get too much of the world on us. And it's easy to get caught up with the world. It's easy to have a lot of the world on you. <laughs> I mean, you dwell out in the world, live out in the world, next thing you know, your mind's on nothing but the world. I heard someone say the other day, hey, they love this uh, live stream church business. That way they can, you know, watch the football game when they're watching the preacher at the same time. I thought, my goodness, what a divided mind. <sighs> we get wrapped up in the world. I remember one time... When I was younger, I went to church, and I got out of church, and I was going so fast to get home from church because I was afraid I'd miss a football game. And I got home, and I was all excited about the football game because my team was winning. My daddy told me, he said, look, son, he said, I wish you would get as excited about the church as you are about that football game. Uh-oh, it might have happened. <laughs> but we get a lot of the world on us, concerns about the world. Thoughts about the world. And we get to a place where we're cast sheep. We're just there. And boy, I tell you, the devil, he can really come to you and get you then. So you're just a cast sheep. Your feet's up in the air. You can't go. And how good is the Lord to come to us? Even when our mind hasn't been on him as it should be, he'd come to us and help us and get us right back up on our feet. 
That good shepherd, he'll do that for us. Sometimes we can get in a low place in the ground. Have you ever just laid down in a place and it's hard to get back up out of? <laughs> I remember before Jennifer and I were married, I lived by myself. You know, when I moved out from home from mom and daddy, I mean, the house I had, everything in there was give me stuff. My mom and daddy gave me a washing machine. The bed I had, my sister gave me that bed. And I want to tell you, that bed, <laughs> it was a one-person bed. When you lay down in it, the whole mattress just kind of flipped up around you. Once you got in that bed, <laughs> I lived cheap. When I got in that bed, I, I could hardly get out of it. Of course, when Jennifer and I, right before we got married, you know, I knew I was going to, was going to, have to buy another bed, and, you know, and we did. Sometimes children of God get like that. They get in low places in the world. They get themselves in trouble. They'll, they'll lay down in things they can't get out of. You ever saw children of God get themselves in trouble and they, they just can't get out of it, can't pull themselves out of it? They, they'll try to, but it just seems like they just roll back over and get in the same mess over and over. You think, well, it looks like they can get out of that, but they'll have someone else tempt them and get right back in the same trouble. Isn't the Lord good to come to us when we're that state just coming? Help us get right back on our feet. Stand us right back up. He's a good shepherd. So he'll come and do that for us. Sometimes we get hurt in this world. I'll tell you, there's a lot of people and a lot of things in this world can hurt your heart, hurt your soul. And children of God get hurt just like little sheep would get hurt. Their knees and get cut and their legs get cut. And they can't go on. They'll fall over and follow. They'll be cast sheep just there for the predators of the world to come and just gnaw up and chew up. Little children of God can get hurt and separated you know, things can happen sometimes that hurt them. And ain't God good to come to us and we're cast there. Restore my soul. David said many times God has come to me and restored me, restored me to his fellowship. When I was that cast sheep, he'd come and help me get right back on my feet. And praise God, I can testify to the entire church this morning. I've been many times in my life that I've been a cast sheep, that I've been separated from God. Got filled up with my own self, filled up with the world, and turned away from God. And the Lord was good to come to me and help me and get me back on my feet. My good shepherd, David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. It's God that takes us in the right way. And notice what he'd say in verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Man, I love that. I love that language, too. Yea, though I walk through the valley. You know, I picked up a book one time, and it said the Bible in front of it, and I read that verse, and it said, Yea, though I walk in a dark valley. And I said, I don't have to have that information. I know I walk in a dark valley. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to live very long in this world to come to that conclusion. I walk in a dark valley. This world is a dark place. But I love this Bible I have right here. This Bible right here tells me, Yea, though I walk through, that is a proper translation of that Hebrew text. Yea, though I walk through. What is that saying? That's saying, I am going to make it to the other side of this dark valley. And I want to tell you, dear children of God, we can have dark times in our life. We can have difficult times in our life. But praise God, our good shepherd is good. We will make it to the other side of every dark time. Why? Because he is the good shepherd and he is the one that will lead us through the other side of this dark valley. Don't tell you, sheep, when they're with a good shepherd and they're walking through a dark valley, oh, they're at peace and just following him. You know why? They believe. They believe that good shepherd is going to take me to the other side. And praise God, I'm looking forward to that day when the Lord, just as he brought the children of Israel all the way 
way to the other side of the Red Sea. He will take all of us to the last one, none left behind, all the way to the other side to be with him in light and glory. Praise God. He is my good shepherd. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Notice it's not just the staff, it's not just the rod. It's the rod and the staff. You know, sometimes sheep have to be prodded. Let's get up and go. Sometimes you got to have a staff and a rod to knock back the enemies. Not only does the Lord prod me when I need to be prodded, motivate me and encourage me to do the right thing, but the Lord also will use that same rod and staff to protect me, to protect me. You remember David said in Psalm 59 and verse 9, God is my defense. Where was David at when he, when he penned that? 1 Samuel chapter 20, 1 Samuel 19. David was married to Saul of Kish's daughter, Michelle. Saul of Kish was so jealous of David, hated him so much, he sent messengers. He sent the deputy sheriffs to his house to kill him. David done no wrong. David behaved himself wisely. David served the kingdom. David was an honest man. But Saul was jealous of him because he knew the Lord was with him. Sent him there. Now who's David going to call? I tell you what, I'll, I'll call 911. 911 to come over here and they'll send an officer. No, it's the officers that are coming to kill you, David. I tell you what I'll do, I'll call the king. No, it's the king that sent the message. can't call them. Who can I depend on to protect me in this evil world? My good shepherd. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You know, living in this world that we live in, it's easy to come to this conclusion. It's becoming more and more dangerous. Remember Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, about the perilous times that will come. Paul said, knowing this, in the last days, perilous times, the word perilous means dangerous. That's what it means. The man that penned these words was not a soft-handed little physician doctor that was sitting behind a desk. I think it's going to get a little dangerous. No, this man had 195 whip marks on his back. This man had been left outside a city for dead. This man had been beaten with rods and stone. He knew about dangerous times. And he said, it's going to get dangerous. We're living in a world that's getting more and more dangerous. Where can we find comfort and peace in living in a world that's getting more and more dangerous in our good Shepherd, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. You know, the Lord is able to put a wall of defense around us just as he and his perfect humanity was defended. You remember when they wanted to lay hands on him? No man can lay hands on him until he suffered it. I remember in Luke chapter 4, they all wanted to cast him headlong down a hill. Yeah, you know what he did? He just walked right through their presence. Nobody touched him. The same power that kept him and his perfect humanity is able to keep us, I remember the days of Hezekiah when all the Assyrian army gathered around Jerusalem. You know what the Lord said? The Lord said there shall not be an arrow shot in that city. And you know what happened? There was not an arrow shot in that city. God sent one angel that destroyed 185,000 of King Sennacherib's army. What a defense. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. But the same rod and staff that defends me also, also motivates me encourages me, prods me to do right. And I'm very thankful for the nudges of God. Sometimes they come from other children of God. Sometimes it comes just from me reading the Word of God. Sometimes just in my meditation. But I get little nudges, little nudges to do 
the right thing for the Lord. You know, that's just him being my good shepherd. David goes on in verse 5, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What is, what is this table? We've looked at this psalm and saw the shepherd down in the pasture lands. We thought about him taking the sheep up the hills and through the pass, but now he's got to the, to the table lands. The table lands, what they are, are plateaus in the hills. I think the Spanish word for that is mesas. When a shepherd has cattle, shepherd has sheep, he will lead them up into the summertime tablelands for that grass, you know, it's real green and fresh. Have you ever went up in the mountains, like in the early summer, and saw all that real green grass? That's, that's, that's the tableland grass is what that is. And it's the Lord, David said, that prepares that table before me. But you know, when David talks about that tableland, he's, he's thinking about, you know, also there's, there's a lot of weeds in that. I tell you what, there's some weeds in that grass that if the sheep eat it, they'll, they'll get sick. But how good is the good shepherd? He'll go out before the sheep, before they get to that table land, and make sure there's no bad grass in there for them to eat. He'll pluck up the bad grass just so the sheep can just eat good grass. And how good is God to prepare a table for us as his children upon the plateau of mountains? You know what the church is? The church is a mountain here in a low world is what it is. I realize the church building may not be upon a geographical mountain, but it is a spiritual mountain for us to be close to the Lord. And how good is the Lord to call men of God that they should go before the children of God, pluck out weeds so the sheep won't eat bad weeds and eat bad grass, that have good grass to eat, that they can be healthy and strong sheep. You know, David said this in the Psalms. He said, the children of Israel asked in the wilderness, can God furnish a table for us here in this wilderness. And could I say this morning, here in this wilderness world, God has prepared us a table that we can come to and feast from His Word every Sunday morning. And what a precious privilege it is to come to the house of God and eat from His bountiful table. I want to share your experience of mine in talking to my mom. And my mom, when I was growing up, every Sunday was just her time to feed the kids. And she would work hard all weekend to get ready to feed the kids. I'm going to tell you, my mama, fried chicken, tater salad. And by the way, in Georgia, that's what we say, nanner, mater, and tater, okay? That's what we, tater salad, meatloaf. I'm going to tell you, my mama can make some of the best meatloaf. I mean, it comes Sunday. Man, I tell you, when turnip greens come in, my mama can take turnip and collard greens, and I, I, t- I can just eat, eat them till I'm sick. But you know, if my mama prepared a big table for us to eat and we didn't show up to eat, it always hurt mama. She worked hard to have this on the table for us. I remember working one weekend and I called mama and said, Mama, I just can't make it today. And I could just hear the disappointment. I hear the disappointment in her voice. Oh, she loved me. She understood She's disappointed because she had all that. She'd done that for me. She'd come eat. See, it made Mama's heart feel good to see her boy sit down and eat that meatloaf, eat that fried chicken, eat that tater salad, them green beans. Have you ever thought about the Lord and the table he prepares for us on Sunday? I think it grieves God's heart when he prepares a table for us to eat and we don't show up to eat. We should be here and thankful for this opportunity to be in God's house 
to eat from his bountiful table. David said, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Here in this wicked world we have a place that we can sit down at the table with God. Thou anointest my head with oil. You know, sheep, sheep have a tendency to, to have insects to really trouble. Sheep also are social creatures, and they can really hurt each other by rubbing against each other a lot. They also, are, I mean, they're very aggressive toward one another for dominance in, in certain herds. Well, when the insects bother the sheep, what they'll do is they'll, they'll fly up their, their nose. And they'll fly as a lay their larva up their nose, get up in their head, and, and it irritates them to the degree that sheep will bang their heads against trees and rocks trying to get them out, and they'll kill themselves. And what the shepherd will do, a good shepherd, is he'll take linseed oil, different oils, olive oils they'd use in that land, and mix a mixture, and they would... Rub it up the head of the sheep, up his nose, and it prevent that uh, those nasal flies from laying that larva up their nose. And when sheep would rub against each other so much, you know, they'd make rub marks on their bodies. They develop a, a disease. It's called scab disease. You know, in the Bible, like in Exodus chapter 12, when a sheep is supposed to be without blemish and without spot, it's referring to without scab disease. So, a sheep that had scab disease is not fit to be offered to the Lord in the Old Testament. What the shepherd, a good shepherd to do, he'll go to those spots, those scabs and those rubs, and he'll, he'll rub that oil on there and, and he'll seal it up and then they'll get healed. And, you know, sheep, big old rams, you know, they'll get to fighting against one another to try to find dominance. And, you know, they'll hit each other so hard. I mean, have you saw those Dodge Ram commercials? They'll hit each other so hard they can, they can kill each other. What a good shepherd to do, he'll go to those rams that are fighting for dominance. And he'll put that oil on their head and they'll just run at each other and slip right off and won't even hurt each other. You know, I think about that. I think about us as children of God. You know, how the devil and the thoughts of the wicked world would like to get up in our minds. And how we need the oil of God, the Holy Spirit of God, to protect us from those thoughts. You know, the good shepherd, he'll give us that in his word. He'll give us that in his truth. This rubs our heads with oil to protect us from all the efforts of the devil. From all the efforts of this wicked world. See, I need God. I need God to save me from the hell I deserve. But I need God to help me in my life. You know, Paul said, having obtained the help of God, I continue in this day. Having my good shepherd rub my head with oil. The oil of his word. The oil of his help. The oil of his presence. Protects me from all the parasites, the nasal flies. From gaining control of my mind. See, the devil can't take one child of God to hell. But I tell you what, the devil is able to destroy a mind of a child of God. And I need the Holy Spirit, the oil of the Holy Spirit to help my mind be focused on the right thing. I don't tell you, we the children of God, we can get scab disease. We can get the rubbing against the things of this world and people of this world. I don't tell you, brothers and sisters, there's some things in this world we don't need to be close to. We don't need to be around. But I don't tell you, if you're going to live in the world, you're going to get around evil. Because evil's on every corner. You remember when I was a kid, when you were a kid, you had to go across the tracks to find trouble. You don't have to go across tracks anymore. It's all over, okay? The troubles used to just be in the middle of cities. It's out in the country now. And I don't tell you, rubbing against that stuff, you can get scab disease. But how precious is God to come and rub the oil on us, the oil of the Holy Spirit, that we can be healed and helped from all the troubles of this world. I don't tell you, brothers and sisters, even in the house of God, sometimes you have those big rams wanting dominance in, in God's house. I'll tell you what, there's nothing more dangerous to a church than two jealous preachers. 
There's more than one way for a preacher to be jealous of another preacher. My daddy used to tell me your favorite preacher should be the one standing before you. And the one you should pray for the most is the one standing before you. He needs your help. And you get preachers and people start butting heads against one another. Next thing you know, they'll bounce off and hurt little sheep. I tell you what we need. We need the oil of the Holy Spirit to help us, to help us that we can have peace in our lives. And the good shepherd, he would do that. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. And David said, because of all this, he said, my cup runneth over. I don't have enough cup to hold all that God's given me. And David said, I am assured because he's my good shepherd. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will, because he's my good shepherd, dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, here in this temporal world, and praise God, one day when I'm up there in that great house that he built for me. Why? Because he is my good shepherd, Jesus Christ, the good shepherd of his people. Let's praise his name. What's the hymn number we have, Brother John? 